This morning our scripture reading is from Mark 14, 3 through 9. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what, is, what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as you know, recently we spent three weeks in the best-known parable. Uh, the first week we focused in on the prodigal son, the second week on the prodigal father, the extravagant father, extravagant in his grace toward the son who returned, and then uh, the elder brother who was also prodigal in a different way, unfortunately. But I appreciated the feedback I received from you in that series, and I was reminded again of the extravagance of the father in that story. And I thought, you know, we need to be thinking about that since it is the season of Thanksgiving and thinking about God's extravagance towards us. Think about what he gives you in your life every day, whether it's the breath of life when you realized you had it this morning, if you did realize that, uh, the blessing of loved ones, the blessing of, of a new day, the blessing of so much comfort that we have in our own lives. It's extravagant, extravagant Grace. Well, when was the last time you grasped his overwhelming love for you, his extravagant grace that he brought your way? And when was the last time you realized that to the point that you wanted to return it extravagantly in his direction? And when was it you, you last sought out an opportunity to do that and saw it as an opportunity, not a sacrifice, not a burden, but as an opportunity? As an opportunity, John Klingler is a writer, a great American writer, and he and his family lived in a neighborhood, and down the street in that neighborhood was a nine-year-old boy named Mikey, and the Klinglers had a, a little beagle named Sasha, and Mikey's family did not have a dog. They didn't think he was ready for a dog, and so he would come over and just look longingly over the fence at Sasha as she was frolicking about and everything. Well, uh, the Klinglers decided to go on an extended vacation. And John decided, we're going we're gonna to call Mikey over, see if he would like to take care of Sasa. So, you know, the boy rang the doorbell and walked in. He was wide-eyed. He didn't know what this was about. He sat down, and John said, now, Mikey, we need somebody to watch over Sasha while we're gone. And he went very carefully through the job description in a way that was detailed, but in a way that a nine-year-old could comprehend about feeding uh, Sasha, watering uh, grooming, walking, and just paying attention to her and giving her enough love and affection. And, and he went over it twice, just covering the entire job description. And then he asked Mikey, now, what would this be worth to you? Is it saying, you know, how much, how much do we need to pay you? What would this be worth to you, Mikey? And Mikey immediately said, I'll give you 10 bucks. <laughs> you know, 
he wasn't thinking about what he would receive monetarily. He was thinking about the great opportunity to give of himself. And that begs the question, when was the last time you gave back extravagantly to this God who blesses you with such radical generosity every day of your life? Our passage speaks to this extravagant God in a wonderful way and his son Jesus. You know, Jesus was once blessed by an extravagant gift that was so significant that it appears in all four of the gospel accounts. There are not a lot of accounts that appear in all four of them. You know, the feeding of the multitude is just one. There are not many others, but this one appears in all four. So we know it's a significant event. And it tells us about what it means when we give extravagantly ourselves. First of all, it tells us that extravagant giving to our God is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. This all happened at a banquet of gratitude at the home of a man named Simon the leper. It really was a banquet of gratitude. It was celebrating Jesus, really. Why? Well, first of all, for healing Simon the leper of that dreaded disease. Secondly, for the raising of Simon's friend, Lazarus, from the dead. It was an overall event of gratitude, a dual celebration. We know from the biblical accounts that there were at least 15 men and two women there. But then this other woman comes in, and what does she do? You know the story, breaks the alabaster jar. Now the jar contained nard, or some people call it spike nard. It's this aromatic uh, ointment, amber-colored, that is actually extracted from a root all the way in the Himalayas. Now, already that tells you and me how precious and rare it was. I always wonder, how did it get from the Himalayas all the way to the Near East in Palestine? It was worth a whole lot, but she broke it and anointed his head with it. You know, it wasn't just this amazing, generous, effusive act. It was a one-time act. She broke the jar, and the ointment fell on our Lord and it was a one-time gift, an amazing one-time gift. Out of gratitude, she gave the best that she had with radical generosity. And she's criticized for it. <laughs> she's criticized for it, which I've always found ironic because this was a banquet of gratitude for Jesus. She comes along and shows amazing gratuity, <laughs> and they get on her case about it. But Jesus defends her gesture what does he say verse 6 leave her alone said jesus why are you bothering her she has done a beautiful thing to me and i note that it's an niv translation most translations say beautiful i often preach from the nlt as you know it says she's done a good thing that's not really the word there it's cologne in in, in the greek it means beautiful precious admirable honorable she's done a beautiful thing and whenever we offer a gift without counting the cost, without thinking about how much we're sacrificing, as if we really are when it's all his anyway, but when we give in a way that we recognize that it's all his and it's because of his you know, multitude of gifts for us, it's a beautiful thing to him. It's a beautiful thing to him. When was the last time you gave in that way? And didn't worry about the cost. Now, am I just talking about money? Well, I am talking about money, and we've done well with that with, with uh, our mission work here. But I'm also talking it might be a, a means by which you, you decide you're going to give a little more time and devotion time uh, to Christ and just, just enjoying, savoring the moments that you have with Him or doing more mission work or being a better friend, parent, grandfather, grandmother, you know, sibling, son, daughter, whatever it might be. It could be a lot of things. But you just did it 
without counting the cost. God sees that as a beautiful thing. And you can't help but be moved by such acts when they are undertaken extravagantly by people who have it a lot worse than you and me. I remember reading an article in the Christian Century magazine back in 2003. It was an article by the theologian Heiko Oberman, who is still a member of a church out in Los Angeles. And he and some members of his church went over to Nanjing, China, to consider how they might do some uh, mission work over there. And one Sunday they went to church across the river from Nanjing in in a very poor area. It was a poor church composed of farmers. And we have an actual picture of it uh, up here. That's the church that you see in the distance. This is an example of one of the homes in which one of the families who attended that church found themselves. There were 900 people at this service, most of them very, very poor. And uh, Dr. Oberman was there. Another woman who was with him from the church in L.A. was a woman named Mrs. Chang. And Mrs. Chang was a transplanted woman from China, and they thought it would be great, you know, at some point in the middle of this service if she would step up to the front and offer greetings from their sister church in Los Angeles. And sure enough, she did just that, and she stepped up and, and talked about uh, her, their church and how it was going well, that they had just finished a, a fundraising campaign because the Lord had been adding so many new people to their church. And because of that, they're in this building campaign and, and in order to get a new building, an education wing of this large church building. And she offered a blessing to the church on behalf of the church uh, in the United States and then sat down. And it was a wonderful service. At the end of the service, though, the pastor called her back up to the front and said, and he had a translator there, but he said, you moved our hearts with joy. You thrilled us with your report. And we want to give you our offertory this morning, which was around $140. These were poor people, but they were so thrilled to hear about what God was doing in this church across the ocean in good old, comfortable, successful, flourishing America, and they wanted to be a part of that. And so they gave of themselves with radical generosity because their joy was overflowing because they saw how God was working. You know, in our comfortable world, have we shown that kind of generosity Lately, Well, we learned something else about radical generosity, extravagant giving. Secondly, extravagant giving to our God is timely. It's timely. Look at Jesus' response to the people who are criticizing the woman. Look at verses 7 and 8. He says, you will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. Now, there's a lot of uh, theological uh, implications of this, but I just want to take it on a more surface level, which Jesus is saying, my time is running out. I'm going to be dead and buried soon. And in one sense, his message for them and for us is, now we're the ones running out of time. I mean, our days are precious here. Heaven's going to be great, but it has to wait for now, but our time is precious We've got to make the most of these opportunities. What is it? Ephesians 5, 16 says what? Make the most of every opportunity during these evil days. There's a desperate, dark world out there that needs us to be extravagant in the use of our time and, yes, our money and our prayers and all of our efforts to bring more people to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Make the most of it. How many days do you and I have left? We don't know, but there's a world out there in desperate need. And should we not be leading the way in generous acts? You know, we've talked about this already, 
you know, holidays can bring out the best in people. We've got Thanksgiving coming up. It happens a lot at Christmas, maybe even Valentine's Day. This past uh, June, it was Father's Day, at least in a McDonald's in southern Indiana. There was a regular customer who drove through and, and had just ordered her food and was waiting in the line to get up to the window to pay, and she heard a husky voice uh, back behind her, and she looked in the rearview mirror, and it was a dad with four kids in the car, and she heard three Happy Meals being ordered, so she thought, okay, uh, he's being a dad, and, you know, ordered a quarter pounder for himself and some other things, uh, you know, a regular burger for one of the kids, and she was like, you know what, that, that dad's being a dad on Father's Day. So when she got up to the window, she said, I- I'd like to pay for uh, the fellow right behind me and just tell him Happy Father's Day, and she drove on. Well, that father drove up and realized he had a free meal out of this, and he was so moved by it that he paid for the next two cars back behind him, paying it forward, right? Now, this all started at 8.30 p.m., okay? It was a late evening with the kids. From 8.30 p.m. Uh, to later that night, at that one McDonald's, at that one window, this happened 167 times, paying it forward. Isn't that beautiful? Paying it forward. And Abby Smith, who was a worker there at the McDonald's, said, you just don't see such generosity as much these days. I wish we saw it more. And we need to lead the way on that, doing more. You know, that, that's our theme these days, isn't it? And, and we should look at our lives as if our lives are running out of time. And this being so, we've got to be extravagant with our giving during that brief time. You know, I so appreciated Anne talking about above and beyond and how we've really gone above, above, above and beyond, I guess you could say. So thrilled about that. So, so thrilled that we've more than doubled our mission's budget. That's just, just, just amazing. And it just says a lot about this church uh, that is so great about stuff like that. And, and, and it's going to be really cool to see between now and the end of 2019 all the neat things. She listed just a handful of things. I think there's a sheet of paper back there. Did y'all get the eight and a half by 11? And it has like a bunch of things that are going to be going on where that money's going. And we've still got money left for it. So other people can apply for some funding as well. It's just amazing what's going on with that. But let me say this. Let's let all this great stuff from now through 2019 motivate us to make it a habit of extravagance in giving to the one who gives so much to us. An ongoing chain pattern of it, especially as it could help us connect with people in our community. And speaking of connect, yeah, I'm going to you know, roll it out a lot sooner than I was going to, but it just fits here so well. You know, Our theme beginning next year, and for I don't know how long, because we need to uh, be working on this, is Connect Bonding Neighbors with Christ. In fact, I think we've got a slide. This is a slide. This is actually going to be a business card size deal where we will be paying it forward to stuff. It says uh, there's, there's our Connect Bonding Neighbors with Christ, and we're going to unpack that in a big way this next year. Uh, it says we offer you this act of love with hope that you pay it forward with an act of kindness to someone else. Pass it on. It gives our information there. Uh, uh, and again, that's going to be on a card size. It, I think there's a Sunday school class that's doing that right now with some cards. Is that the church class? Who's doing that? Yep. Church class? Okay, how's it going? Good? Thumbs up. Good. Well, we're going to have the whole church be doing that with these cards. In fact, let's look at the flip side of it. Based on some things that people said, you know, what, what do you love about this church? It lists some things like an inter, you know, a sense of intergenerational family here, an amazing interracial partnership with True Vine Evangelical Church. I cleared that with Ralph Garp to say, is that okay? If I say that, and he said, yeah, that's what we are. So again, that's the flip side, and it just gives people a snapshot of who we are. 
But all the more, it's after we offer some act of generosity to someone else in the hopes that they will pass it on. But hopefully we will be remembered for our doing that as we pay it forward. You know, our days are running out. And we want people, you know, we, we need to be remembered as Brookwood Baptist Church as being radical, extravagant in our giving. And that really leads us to one other thing about extravagant giving. Extravagant giving to our God is memorable. I just said we want to be remembered. I love this last verse of this account. Look at verse 9. Jesus looks at these people who have disparaged this woman who was so generous, and he says, I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Was Jesus right with that? Well, it's being remembered and discussed right now. And think about it. Do you think that woman had any idea that her act of kindness and generosity would be still talked about 2,000 years later? She didn't see all of the effects of that an amazing gift that she offered to Jesus. She did a lot more than she realized and ever would see for herself. Remembered for anointing him. Now, now it begs the question, how to... How do you want people to remember you? Hopefully it will be by how you gave and gave and gave. I hope that years later from now, when people talk about Brookwood, and we are long gone because our time has run out, I hope people will say, you know, in this uh, post-Christian phase of America, I hope in this post-church phase in America where, where, where adherence and loyalty to local churches is, a, is at an all-time low, let alone, you know, loyalty to Jesus himself is at an all-time time low. You know, that Brookwood church, they stuck to it. And you saw it on a regular basis with how they gave and gave and gave of themselves. To use Brian Bond's phrase, what? They finished strong and finished what? Somebody help me. Finished strong and finished empty. By the way, I shouldn't say this now, but connect And it says bonding with neighbors for Christ. We like that bonding. And that's kind of a tribute to Brian there, by the way. Bonding, there you go. But we hope that people will see years from now, long after we're gone, that we were radicalized in our giving, in our generosity, in our extravagance. I hope that we will become a memorable people as we give what we can. Uh, I remember the summer of 2016. I saw a news report on NBC and it was a woman named Nicole Thompson, and she was uh, a waitress and, uh, in Chicago, and she was stunned because someone gave her a tip of 1,000% after she waited on them. She was a full-time teacher, elementary school teacher, but to make ends meet, she was also a waitress in the evenings. And she told this guy, I can't take this. And he said, yes, yes, you can. And the the generous man who gave it to her, by the way, was the boss of a friend of Nicole's who was uh, dining there uh, for lunch. And so this guy was so touched that here's a woman who's doing such a great job serving us and also serving children. And he gave her that thousand percent tip. And and, and they asked uh, Nicole what that was like. And she said, the rest of my day was different. She said, the rest of my life is different. It sure feels that way, at least for now. That's what she said. You know, now, this made national news. I mean, I saw it on NBC. And I wonder, how often do people hear news stories about the overwhelming, the overt and, and, and tangible, concrete generosity of Christians out there in the world? How often does that make the news when we give above and beyond, in whatever way that we're giving above and beyond? And we need to be extravagant in a way that people will see it and remember it. 
And we do need to trust for the umpteenth time, and I know you hear preachers say this all the time, even the little things you do that are generous, make a, they have a ripple effect, and they do continue to make a difference in ways that you and I will never see, just as Jesus said about this woman. I remember the story of the rich young ruler. When Jesus you know, tells the rich young ruler, oh, just sell everything, give away everything that you have. He does that because the guy is obsessed with his money. Having money is not a bad thing. Being obsessed with it is. Making it an utter idol is. And the guy goes away sad, and Jesus says, what, it's easier for what to go through the eye of a needle? Do you remember? A camel to go through the eye of a needle. And he's using hyperbole there, but he's making a strong point. You know, you can't serve God and money. And Peter hears that, but he's like, well, hey, we've given up a lot here. And, and, and how does Jesus respond? Let's look at Luke 18, uh, 28 through 30. Peter said, we've left our homes to follow you. To be honest, he's a little bit like, well, is there anything in it for us? We want to finish strong and empty, but you know, where does that leave us? <laughs> what comes of us with all this? And Jesus says, yes, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, that is expressed radical generosity in amazing ways, that, that sometimes even puts you know, serving Jesus among all those things that are most precious to you, they will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. And, and let me just say, you know, Jesus is saying, yes, it's going to be good for you now because giving is a beautiful thing, and yes, it lifts you up in a way that's beautiful, but you'll also be blessed in the life to come. You know, if you ever want to begrudge Jesus telling you to give in, in a radical way, and I, and I don't mean this in escapist fashion, but muse on heaven. Just muse for a while on heaven. Because it's going to be pretty darn good. <laughs> muse on how unnecessary heaven is for us, how undeserved. Why do I use the word unnecessary? Came across a wonderful uh, quote from a poet named John Lex, uh, L-E-A-X, it's, it's pronounced Lex. And uh, he's a marvelous American poet, and I love what he says here. He said, and he's also a believer. He says, I'm convinced that heaven's unnecessariness is what makes it important. Heaven is simply a glorious, gratuitous extra, totally unnecessary, and I'd say undeserved, but totally in character with the extravagant goodness and boundless creativeness of the maker and redeemer of this world. I like that so much. Yeah, I'm going to read it again. I'm convinced that heaven's unnecessariness is what makes it important. Heaven is simply a glorious, gratuitous extra, totally unnecessary, but totally in character with the extravagant goodness and boundless creativeness of the maker and redeemer of this world. We're a blessed people. All the more blessed when we give as Jesus commands of us. Let's pray together. What wondrous love is this, O God, that your Son imparted our way on the cross and beyond that with the empty tomb, that we in our miserable brokenness, we in our dark lives, we with our secret places that we don't want people to know about, nevertheless, you've shown your redeeming light, your gracious light upon us. What wondrous love is this, O God? that you would extend such grace to us. And so we ask, may we extend some of that grace beyond ourselves, giving whatever it might be within our own personal resources that can make a difference in 
this world that so desperately needs to see what it means to give as you gave to us. So please, oh God, motivate us to do just that. Beginning now, for our days are running out. Amen.